Mary and I thought it would be fun to re-release a few of our favorite fan shows. It's sort of like taking a trip down memory lane, uh, if you will. So we've chosen a few of our most popular episodes, which we will re-release over the next couple of weeks. Mary, what's the classic episode we have up for today? Well, today, Chris DeSantis, we're going to go back to season two, and we're going to revisit, drumroll please, Why I Find You Irritating, which, of course, is the one that's all about navigating generational differences at work. It's actually one of our most popular episodes and is still so relevant to succeeding in today's multi-generational workplace. Plus, it's another chance to plug your book. You got that right. So... Without further ado, let's dive back into Why I Find You Irritating, and we hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with W's, the witty, the wonderful, and the wise... Mary Abijay. <laughs> Hi, Chris DeSantis. Um, I am Mary Abijay, and let me introduce to you my co-host, the witty, the wise, and the wonderful Chris DeSantis. I had the exact same Did words Did you have for those? You. Really? I had those exact same words. I was going to think, I was going to do worldly and well-read. I really should have said well-read, but I, those are the three I chose. And That's funny. Go figure. Because I didn't even, you know, normally when I do this, I, I look up adjectives so I can go through the list. And I just, this one I didn't even bother with because I thought, okay, this fits. Worldly wise and wonderful. Yeah, so, I love yeah, it. So, well, hi, Chris. It's nice to see you. Good to see you. How you been? I've been really, really well, thank you, and I'm excited about today. Yes, today's a good day because this is one of my uh, favorite topics. Uh, again, generational differences. Um, it's also one of hey, Chris. Our, yeah. Wait, what? Why is it one of your favorite topics? Well, because my book has just been published on the topic. <laughs> uh, why I find you irritating, navigating generational friction at work. So, and Chris, where can we find this book? Well, you can pre-order the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Books A Million, or you can go to my website and access uh, through that to the publisher directly if you'd like to order. I love it. And uh, just so all of our listeners know, this book is fantastic. You should definitely <laughs> run out and buy it. And Chris, you know what I'm going to do? What is that? I'm going to name this episode after your book. I love that. I have it. I know, right? As a little homage, <laughs> homage to the brilliance, the witty, the wise, the wonderfulness <laughs> of Chris DeSantis. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, this is a good... We, by the way, we did a previous episode on this topic, and it was in our top three in terms of uh, uh, listeners. So I thought it would be nice to revisit with some of the questions that we've been receiving. And some of these... So a reda. It's a reda. Oh, it's a redo. It's a redo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in fact, when I looked at the questions, it looks like like that we've got one from a millennial, we've got one from a boomer, and by the sounds of it, it seems that we have one also from a Gen Xer. Oh my God, I love that you even say the word Gen Xer, yes. because we're always forgotten. So I know. I'm, you've got my interest now. Well, speaking of Gen <laughs> Xers, uh, I don't know if you'll know this listener, but Mary is a Gen Xer also. She certainly doesn't look it. She certainly looks more <laughs> like a millennial. But um, you know a little bit about the history. You read the book and about what Gen Xers sort of... Uh, the representative of them. Uh, does that align with who, how you see yourself? 
Oh, yeah, I totally identify as a Gen Xer. You know, I see myself as, you know, the Jan Brady of the generational world. <laughs> and only the Xers and boomers know who the Brady Bunch is. You know, the neglected middle child, yes. the country cousin come to town. You know, for those who understand the generations, Gen Xers, Gen X is the smallest cohort. Uh, we're the neglected cohort. Nobody pays attention to us. Um, you know, and so much of the Gen X uh, experience really rings true for me. Latchkey kid, both parents worked. Uh, we came, we walked ourselves to and from school by ourselves, came home uh, to the TV babysitter. So we were raised by wolves and MTV. <laughs> um, I personally changed jobs and industries and careers multiple times. Mm. I mean, I know the millennials think they started that. Step back, kids. It was the Gen <laughs> Xers that really decided we are not putting 20 years into the same company. Um, really kind of focused at work results and not relationships. And I kind of think, Chris, don't tell anybody, but I kind of think teamwork is overrated. Yeah. <laughs> my God, you are like a yeah, you are a poster, poster child, child for the poster Gen child. Mm -hmm. so much, I was thinking about this recently because I think the Gen Xers, uh, to some degree, are the are the the are designed for the pandemic. Oh, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yes, I see you as far more self sufficient anyway, and so for you, uh, you are location ag agnostic. That's right. And so working from home or working from the office, it's just it's just get the work done. Uh, that's what I need to do. You fly below the radar relative to the work. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't like people or though, but you do have your priorities around, you know, your personal priorities. And and this this uh, affords you the opportunity to focus on your priorities in a way that you are never watched. Is this episode going to be a love letter to us Gen Xers? Because if it is, that's going to make me very happy. We're just talking about the greatest generation here, which is us Gen Xers. So, Chris DeSantis, thank you, my friend. Well, as I said, we'll be uh, we'll be talking about others because I myself am a boomer by age and temperament, but I certainly appreciate the Gen X uh, view of the world, and I and I draw from it. So, Thank you. So are you ready for some questions? I am ready for some questions. Okay, let me start off with ants in my pants. <laughs> Dear CC, I've just been offered a promotion at a consumer products company you are likely to have heard of. Hmm. But to be honest, I would rather quit. Oh. I've been working here for four years. I like the work the people, and the company, but I took this job right out of school and I'm feeling like I need to see some of the world before I commit to this as a career. Any suggestions on how to tell my boss I'm leaving so she won't hate me? Signed again, <laughs> ants in my pants. All right, so first of all, I really want to try and guess the consumer products company. Yeah, I did too. I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, kind of hold myself off on that. So here is where... My Gen X sort of suck it up scarcity mindset pushes my buttons, right? Yeah, okay. On this guy or this gal or this uh, guy gal. Uh, because part of me is like, oh, entitled millennial. Like I just can't <laughs> help but go there. Like work means like survival. Um, but let me... Let me get rid of that for a moment mm -hmm. and say congratulations on the promotion. That's wonderful. Um, and now I'm going back to my Gen X grinchiness mm -hmm. and saying like, you know, so part of me is like four years and you need a break already. <laughs> four years of hard work and you're already ready to go see the world. Like that part of me uh, is is 
triggered right now. And also, you know, I am the daughter of a first generation American who grew up very poor and a mother who was like second or third generation American, but also grew up very poor. So part of me is having a hard time with this because mm-hmm. I just can't get past the really, you're what, 28, 26 Probably maybe? 26, right. Yeah, and so I'm going to let go of that because you know what? At 25, I did the same thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I didn't take a year off. Mm-hmm. I just quit a job and like reevaluated what I was doing and started that. So, you know, here's this. I mean, being young, once I can let go of my Gen X grinchiness, like if you're going to do something like this, your age is a good age to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot to lose. Um, I am not sure what you're going to do in your quote unquote gap year, but make sure that when you're, whatever you're doing, that you actually are trying to find yourself or see the world. Like, I'm not really sure what you're trying to do in your gap year. So have some goals, have some plans, have some parameters. Uh, in terms of telling your boss, your boss is going to hate you anyway. So let's just be clear. No, I'm kidding. Mm. Uh, just be really honest with your boss and just say, you know, I'm taking a break. I really want to uh, see the world. I've always wanted to do this or I want to do this. Um And then just give them a really good sort of transition plan for your exit. You want to leave with as much grace as possible. Uh, You want to preserve the relationship. Uh, And I would also say, you know, before you decide to do this, you know, maybe you could talk with your boss about taking them. If if it's just traveling you want, maybe you could take a month off here and a month off there. Like, I don't know if it has to be all or nothing. Mm. But if you've decided that you're going to leave and take some time off, then just give your boss a really good notice, preserve that relationship, create a great transition plan, and make uh, uh, really set your successor up for success. Well, uh, let me let me summarize a few things of what you said, Mary, because I, I I agree with everything you said, and I, I only have much, don't have much to add, but I will I'll focus more on the transition, as it were. But you said, in spite of your your. Doubts about Gen X grinchiness. Yes, your Gen X grinchiness. Uh, you think that they, um, uh, this is the age in which to do it. Because, uh, yeah. And that's right. The, the economic cost at this age is lower than any other age in your life, uh, except after retirement, of course. So, Or maybe in your late 50s when you're really established. Yeah, then it's really expensive to do with yeah. that. That's a re- so in that sense, this is a low economic cost relative to that. But if you're going to do it, have some kind of goal about this in terms of what you want to do in that time because of that you mentioned. Um, I also think you, you said, be honest with the boss. And that's what I'll focus on. And I like this transition plan because that's the... That's where I am with mm-hmm. this. I think if you're going to do this, if you are determined to quit, then as Mary said, you should leave with grace. You should make a transition plan out as easy as possible for her and your colleagues. And I think Mary alluded to this, that instead of maybe even quitting, if there's a possibility of doing a sabbatical, mm-hmm. then do a sabbatical. Because uh, pick a reasonable length of time, and let's say three months, six months, uh, there are companies that actually endorse this. And, and then actually, by the way, during the sabbatical, you could always say, I will be available X number of hours a week or every other week, whatever that is in case there is a need for this. The point is, you want to make yourself available or amenable to uh, them, amenable to what you decide. Now, aside from this, though, and this goes back to what Mary said, uh, planning. Do you have the money? Yeah. Can you pay your bills over the next six months in terms or a year? Uh, do you do you do, that won't uh, negatively in, a, in affect your credit rating or uh, the, any savings that you want to do because the, uh, or the travel that you want to do? Uh, because and what do you have? What in terms of going, coming home? Do you have a plan upon the return? 
Yeah, because it's just not, you know, the trip, like right. six months of traveling, but then the three months when you're back, when you haven't found a job, because the job market may be radically different a year from now. Yes. See, because I'm, I'm not hearing, I'm hearing you want to get away from something. I'm not hearing you want to go to something. Yeah. And those are, I'm thinking the same thing. Those are two different things. So this getaway, and in defense of who you are, uh, in the literature, there is this, um, David Brooks calls this period of life, for you millennials in particular, this odyssey phase. This is that phase of who will I be? Who will I be? And I think you're exploring your options, which again, I, I have no truck with. I, I, I like the idea of you're doing that. It's just you have to take responsibility for those choices and the consequences that follow. Because I think your parents will be worried, quite frankly. Like, what are you doing? This is a good job. You've got a promotion in life. What parent this is, is going to say? not why I sent you to college. Exactly. There is, <laughs> I'd be very surprised if the parent says, brilliant choice. It's a brilliant choice you're making. So in that sense, I think you have to do that. I, I say because I had an experience. I, I was I, I'm a late bloomer, and so in my 30s, I moved I moved to Madrid for a year, and so did you work? Uh, I tried to. Then I got there, and they told me I'd have to come home here to get a special visa, yeah, and I priced yeah. it out. It would cost me as much to. So I I didn't have to. I didn't do much by way of work. I I had money saved, and I spent it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what money's for. No, but I like that. But you, you but you planned it, right? Yes. Like you, you thought ahead. You made a plan. And yes. are you glad you did that? Year? Oh my gosh, it yeah. was it was really something, uh, uh, some a special time. I came back. I got a job. So in that yeah. sense, I was I, I, I'm I'm marketable. I was marketable at the time. So all that worked out for me. I suspect you're quite marketable anyway because you've already been offered a promotion. So uh, I, I, in my opinion, I, do what you think is right, but don't do it at a, at a consequence to cost to others. Yeah. And you know, I have a couple more tips for this person, you know, as they're, if they want to preserve relationships with their colleagues and their boss, whom, by the way, will be contacts for you when you get back, send a couple of postcards oh, now and then. Yeah. Like, you know, make sure you tell them, like you stay in touch with them, uh, uh, write them a note here and there. Uh, and, you know, when you get back, maybe take them out for coffee and thank them again. Uh, you know, but stay in touch uh, with the people that you have been working with on your trip. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, again, another thing that you're probably experiencing is a lot of your friends probably had a gap year and you went straight yeah. from uh, school to work. And so you're missing out on that that moment that they all and had. this is isn't this what they call the quarter life crisis oh is it i didn't i didn't yeah know there's this. something called the quarter life crisis uh and uh it happens when people are about 25 26 mm. a couple years into their working life where they start to think well first of all working sucks and then secondly <laughs> secondly like wow like uh, is this the career i want yeah. uh, what do i want out of my life as you said becoming and when i had this i didn't even think about taking a year off i just decided to change cities and got a job right away but it was pretty powerful. I mean, it was a pretty powerful, like, what am I doing? Is this my life? Well, there's another version of this too, is where jobs can be hard. When you take a job, you think, oh, I'm going to be a great lawyer. I'm going to be a great doctor, whatever the great thing that you will be. And, and you realize that there's a valley of despair because you don't have mastery on the first day or yeah. year or years. And so this, this development of mastery takes you through this, I think, a painful process. And so sometimes you start to question yourself in the middle of that process. Is it what, do I really want to do this? Yeah. And so, you know, I hope you're not in the valley of despair. All right. So ants in my pants. Good luck. Good luck. Send us a postcard. Um, and uh, yeah. Okay. Bring us back a gift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're enjoying the show, please let us know. Give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
And don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends to tune into Cubicle Confidential. All right, let's move on. You ready for the second question? I am ready. All right. Dear Mary and Chris, I'm a managing director for a data analytics firm, and we have a large portion of our workforce who have been working virtually for the past two years. Like many companies, we are hearing from our youngest employees that they don't feel connected to the firm. But when I sent out an email saying we should all be returning to the office full time, those same young people complained about having to do so. You can't have it both ways. If you want to build relationships, then the best way to do so is in the office. How do I make them understand this? Signed, my way or the highway. <laughs> oh, I love okay, that. boomer. <laughs> That's what it certainly sounds like. My way. Oh the my God. Yeah. So, uh, you know, welcome to the world of leading a multi generational workplace mm. in the 21st century. Like, mm. come on, boomer, wake it up. Mm. Um, I'm just assuming this is a boomer. So, here's the thing I get your dilemma. I mean, it's a very common dilemma. Yeah. I hear this from a lot of my clients, a lot of leaders are worried about this exact same thing. And let's be honest, like the same thing goes for like holiday parties. You're damned if you do, yeah, you're damned if you true. don't. Like, they will Good complain one. about having to attend and they will, they will complain when you don't have one. Uh, but my guess is that it's the younger people, your Xers, your millennials, your Zers who want to stay uh, more hybrid or more remote and your boomers are your office cravers who want to go in. So mm -hmm. my first question is, um, you know, why can't you have it both ways? Yeah. Like you've made this this binary choice. And I just don't think that is the way 21st century workplaces are gonna look look at look like. I think you need to really consider a hybrid. A hybrid can, if done well, can make the best of both worlds. It's gonna get people into the office building those relationships, seeing how work is done, making connections, going to let people like build some camaraderie, some collegiality, the culture, and it's also going to allow them to have some remote options. So I would really recommend going for the hybrid. And here's why. There are, uh, there's been some really fascinating work done on workplace personas, uh, and they're looking at the, um, uh, the uh, how people view like the physical office. And they've mm -hmm. come up with three big categories that have subcategories, but the three big ones are the office cravers. These are people <laughs> who want to be in the office like you, Mr. My Way or the Highway. <laughs> they either want to be there because they love being around people or they're command and control or they think this is the only way it can work. And globally speaking, that's only 10 to 15% of the entire workforce, hmm. right? So you are a minority. The next big bucket are people called the mixers. These are people that want to work a little bit in the office, a little bit at home, a little bit at Starbucks. Uh, for different reasons, they want to be mixers. They just want to have more flexibility. And this is 60 to 75% hmm. of the global workforce. And then you've got the Chris DeSantis's and the Mary Abajays, who are the home dwellers. <laughs> We are the people that we don't need to go into an office ever unless you're paying us big bucks to come stand on your stage. Then we'll go in. And then the home dwellers are about 10% of the workforce. So unless you're going to hire nothing but office cravers, you better think about hybrid. Wow. I, I love those, that answer. I just It really uh, sort of capsulizes who your audience is. 
Yeah. And so you have to cater to the larger audience and you have yeah. to accommodate that. It's funny, in your answer, you, you used, I was going to start out with exactly the same thing you said. I said, it, strict, it's not a strictly binary choice. Right. So, like, what's this black and white business? Yeah. No, I love Mary's answer is right. The, the hybrid is the way to go. The cat is out of the bag. We are. We have propelled ourselves five years into the future because of the pandemic, and so we have to live with the new, the new normal. Now, I also saw the statistics. It's when you look at these numbers in terms of who inside a firm wants to come back and who doesn't. Uh, something like seventy percent or above of the C-suite crowd come back. Yep. Something like seventy percent of the line people. Let's 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 be flexible. Yeah, because so the C-suite are usually office cravers, and yeah. let's be honest, they got the C-suite, so they, they want to be in those sweet offices, <laughs> and they want people around them. They think this is a way to do that. Also, they're in the habit of their status. It's, yeah, you know, you know how to remind yourself of status. Have a staff. Have a staff. You know how to lose your status. Where's my staff? So, <laughs> a staff that you could just point at you. Coffee exactly, now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think they're craving some of the 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 what are the accoutrements of the role that yeah. they are in. But having said that, though, I think you have to be a little more methodical. Uh, if you're going to do this hybrid model, I think you have to have some overlap, meaning schedule. You have to have an all. I think you have to pick an all hands day every other week yep. or so, and then you might have to do a an overlap meaning there would be overlap between departments that might be a few days a week or something like that. So you give people space, but you also say, but there is some consistency with everyone being here at some point. The yeah. challenge you will face is office design will shift in accordance to the real estate footprint necessary. So when you are going to have crowded days and then less crowded days, because right now I think we have an overabundance of real estate relative to uh, allocation at the office, we won't need as much going forward. So, but I also think for you personally, um, uh, you know, you're a role model, so you're going to have to live this flex time as well. That is not to say we, yeah. I, I, I'm okay that you do it, but you should live it because as a role model, they will sometimes they will follow your behavior. Now, if you want to be super Machiavellian, what you start to do is come into the office a little more often and a little earlier, and you will see a cadre of people <laughs> starting to come into the office a little more often and a little earlier. So <laughs> and stay a little bit later. <laughs> stay a little bit later. So in that sense, I think you you can get what you want. Uh, but going back to the original question here, can you make relationships? relationships uh, virtually. I think you can. And I think this is a generational divide. I'm a boomer. I like to meet people face to face, but I see a lot of young Gen Zs and they seem to not only play games virtually globally, but they seem to be able to make friends virtually in a way that I was never comfortable doing. So I think we're seeing a bit of a sea change in how we develop these relationships. They're on the cutting edge and we're in the last wave. I think that's absolutely right. And I do, I see, and I think that when it comes to organizational culture, I think we're in a generational change there yes. as well. I think that, you know, boomers or older people see culture in one way and culture has to be in person. And I just don't buy that. No. I think you can have really strong cultures even when they're virtual. Um, it, we just need to broaden our thinking about what it looks like. And, you know, it's funny we got this question because just yesterday I was talking to a client that we're going to be doing a leadership development 
development for uh, leadership development uh, cohort program mm-hmm. for, and a very large company. And um, I was asking them like, what are their plans? Are they going virtual? Or are they coming back hybrid? Like, what are they doing? Because we wanted to know how we want to do the training. And he's like, I got to let them stay virtual or else I won't have anyone to work for me. Yeah. I mean, it is like yeah. it is, and they're going to have a hybrid, but he's like, if I make people come to the office, I would lose 70% of my team right now. And they have hundreds of people that work for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and remember, it's a buyer's market in terms of uh, yes, if, you ha- if you have the skill set. So, and data analytics, believe me, those people are in demand. Yeah. And so, in that sense, you have to go with whatever the competition is offering, you have to offer as well as the baseline. Yeah. So I, I think good, that's right. Good luck, my way or the highway. Enjoy the byway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I just hope I'm hopeful. That's all. And I'll also say, say this to my way is, uh, you know, there's a lot of different models of hybrid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Chris alluded to a couple of them, but it is a. Sp- spectrum of choice. It's a spectrum of flexibility. So view this as an experiment. So as you're coming back, like don't think you're going to pick a model and then stick to it. No. Be a little flexible. Experiment. Find out what works and what doesn't work. That's great advice. All Thank right. You. We do a lot of workshops on this. So this is like... Yeah, no, this makes and I, and I've been getting requests on the, on this sort of what is the new normal? And the new normal is what you ever created to be. Oh, by yeah. the way, I also get these questions because this, this ties to Mary, and I, then I'll be done with this. But this notion of culture, culture is how you behave towards others that yes. is endorsed by the people you work for. Exactly. It is not the location you are in. It's not being physically present. No. It's how we treat each other. Exactly. It's, the, it's, it's what's acceptable behavior in this organization. Exactly. It's what role models and leaders do exactly. and model. Like, I just like people say, Mary, how do we keep our culture in hybrid? I'm like, my first question to you is, well, what is your culture? Yes. And what is it? Are you trying to keep? They're like, I don't know. I think people imagine the culture is the furniture around us. <laughs> I'm telling you. If you have a workplace question, hey, people, we're here to help. Email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. We'd love to hear from you. All right, one more. This one's a little tricky. I thought, because I, 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 could, I could really relate to the experience of this person. Are you ready? I'm ready. Dear cubicle people. Uh-oh. <laughs> I thought that's Uh-oh. funny. <laughs> I know. Cubicle people. This pronoun thing is making me nuts. I've been working for 30 plus years, and now, out of nowhere, our company has implemented a pronoun preferences policy. They are even putting them in the signature space of our emails. I can't seem to get the hang of it, and it seems every time I mess up somebody's pronoun, I'm met with eye-rolling, condescending corrections, or both. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to make it to retirement. (laughs) How did we get here, and is there any chance of returning to simpler times? Signed, he who has had it with them. <laughs> okay, that's one of the funniest that's funny. uh, signings I off that, that we've had. All right, so again, welcome to the 21st century. Yes, um, yes. Uh, you know, proper pronoun awareness is here to stay, <laughs> mm. and it's a good thing. Okay, it is a good thing. Uh, and yes, it is a big change yes. that is hard for some of us old farts to mm. retrain our brains, not only into the concept of it, uh, the gender fluidity concept, you know, or mm-hmm. all that, but also to like use the pronouns and think about them. And it's change is hard. Mm-hmm. Now, I am 
I love, I love that fact that we are talking about this. I love the fact that people's preferred pronouns are front and center. And I confess, I do have a bit of a challenge with the they pronoun because (laughs) I'm an old English major. So for me, it's not that I disagree with it. It's that it's hard for me to think of the word they in a singular concept. So I struggle a little bit and I have to like scrunch my brows and be like, they, they, they. Especially if I'm reading it, it gets very confusing to me. Uh, But that's not because I disagree with this, just because it's hard, right? Right. You're used to reading. Anyway, uh, so I do think you're going to need to uh, try a little bit harder um, and uh, get more inclusive uh, with your pronouns. Uh, You know, people put them into their email emails so that you know them so you don't have to ask. Mm-hmm. So before you go into meetings, take a gander at the people who are going to be there um, uh, so you know their pronouns. Uh, if you're in a Zoom meeting, oftentimes people will put their pronouns there. Mm-hmm. So like use your eyes right. and your ears and you know... Um, and you know, you're going to make some flubs. It's hard. It's hard to retrain a brain. And when you do, just be gracious. Say, I, I am so sorry. I apologize. You know, here's what I don't want you to say. I'm really having trouble with that pronoun thing. Like, don't. <laughs> Don't say that. Just say, you know, um, I am really working hard to get my pronouns correct or something like that. Um, so apologize. If you don't know, ask. I was... Um, we had some people in to our house uh, the other week uh, who were doing some, they're giving us a bid on some uh, renovations we want to do. And uh, the woman, I called her a she, but you know, she's all messed up. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm not sure if she is a she. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Alex. And her name is Alex. So it's like, it could go either way. Right. I said, I just assumed a, a, a female pronoun. Is that correct? She said, oh yeah, that's fine. So, I mean, I asked, I was just like, I just assumed that was your pronoun. So you can sometimes just ask people, but it's about being gracious and it's about trying and showing that you're trying. And for those people who are judging you, let's not judge everybody so much. If someone is honestly trying, let's be a little more gracious as like the old farts are trying to learn, you know? So a little kindness can go a long way. So that's what I have to say. I know you're going to have much more. No, I, things I, that. I will. I will reiterate what you said because some of the things you said. I thought one of the most uh, right at the very beginning is the language isn't congruent with the sentiment. Yeah. And so, in that sense, that's difficult for people to get their head around because we're, we're yeah. twisting the language to serve uh, a different need. I also like the pe- point that you said. Look, uh, ask ask people what yeah. they prefer before you talk at all, and then yeah. or the, look look for what's indicators are there on Zoom or on their on their email or on their business card if it's available. Uh, I think being gracious and making the effort. This is what the French want when you visit yeah. France. They don't they expect you to, to say bonjour, madame. Yes. That's all they want. They, they just want you to make it an effort to try. To, as opposed to being louder in English. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Excuse me. <laughs> I said. <laughs> bonjour, bonjour. Yes. And, and I think the other point is give each other the benefit of the doubt. This yeah. is new territory. So um, I think what, as Mary said, what your experience is, is a breaking of an old habit and simultaneously developing a new one. And I think you you feel some likely feel some level of resentment for having to apply something you don't yeah. see as particularly relevant or important since you've gotten along without it for the last fifty plus years. Or maybe you don't understand it. Oh, so you first don't thing is you gotta it. understand it and acknowledge it, right. appreciate That's it. That's exactly yeah. right. I think you should consider it as you would consider any show of respect for another. Mm-hmm. Because this is how the other person hears it when it's expressed. This is a as Mary said, this is a cultural shift in favor of embracing diversity and inclusion, uh, and it's not, ju- it's not a policy per se, it's, it's doing it in action. 
It's the action we take in support of the sentiment. So uh, I, I think I think again. Next time someone rolls your eyes and their eyes at a meeting, call them out on it and uh, politely, of course, say, "Look, I'm I'm sorry." Uh, I. Uh, Mary said it. I, I haven't quite gotten the hang of this yet. Uh, and here's what I would do. I would turn it over to the room and say, has anyone else had trouble adjusting or anyone? And if, if nobody says they have, then you say, I, please tell me what, what's the secret here? Yeah. What, are, what are the tricks that you're using? Because I'm, I'm not having a good time of it yet, and I'd like to. So how do yeah, you do it? I'd like it? to really get this right. Help yes, me, yeah. how do you do it? Now what you've done is you've enlisted them as allies in the effort to help you move from where you are to where you want to be. And then people are become a lot more forgiving in that sense. So I think if you let them know that, then, the, then once this is passed, now you can go back to the focus of your energies, and that is your retirement plan. So. Yeah, I love that. You know, the other, I have one other yeah. tip for this person. If you're not sure, instead of using a pronoun, substitute their name. Oh, so for yeah. example, say like if you're referring to someone in a conversation, then use their name yeah. instead of a pronoun. So for example, I want to echo Jack's thoughts. Yes. Jack's research was really solid and I vote we go with Jack's plan. I, think I mean, that's you're saying brilliant. Jack's name over and over, but until you get comfortable or if you don't know, just use their name. I think that's brilliant. Nobody tires of their name. Nobody does. Nobody. Nobody does. And I also want to say to this person, like, pronouns are here to stay. Yeah. So you may as well embrace them. Yeah. Um, and it's going to make, it's going to endear you to the younger set too, because they're going to, they really appreciate people who are at least trying. Yes, I agree with that. Oh, this was good. I think right, we covered so it. He who has had it with them, <laughs> hopefully has not had it with us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Chris, as always, it was a delight to spend this time with you. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for listening. Thank you also to our amazing, overworked, underpaid Mr. Jack Edinger, who I believe goes by he. I think he does. He is. Uh, he, uh, he's awesome. We love him. Uh, if you have a workplace question or a cubicle dilemma, give us a shout. No questions too large and no questions too hard. There are so many ways to reach us. You could email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com, tweet us at cubicleconfide1, or connect with us on LinkedIn or Facebook, Cubicle Confidential, or just track down Chris DeSantis and Mary Abijay. We're not hiding people. Uh, and until next next week. Work hard, be kind, get your pronouns right. And if you can't, Chris, what should they do? Call us. Call us. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>